Risk is a part of life, and often in business, particularly farming, there is a complicated relationship between risk and reward when it comes to planning for the short, medium and longer term future of your farming operation. How best you manage this relationship and the probability of the intended outcomes is what we will be exploring in the episode today. Hello, I'm Ben Madgwick, and you're listening to The Yarn, a podcast to and for the Australian wool industry. Cam Nicholson is a farmer and a consultant from Victoria, and he recently spoke at the annual Best Wool, Best Lamb conference about risk versus reward. For those listeners from other states, Best Wool, Best Lamb is a self-directed learning network for Victorian sheep and wool producers, supported by AWI, in partnership with the Victorian DPI, and the Livestock Group of the Victorian Farmers Federation. Further sponsorship is also received from GRDC and MLA. Essentially, farmers deal with risk all the time. This can come in terms of weather, commodity production and markets. It's a difficult mix that makes farming one of the hardest jobs on the planet. But there is plenty on your side to think through these interactions, and Cam Nicholson can do just that. He spoke with Marius Cumming, who started by asking why there is no perfect position on risk. Risk is very personal, and risk will change as your circumstances change. So there's no one right position on risk in a business. So if you're younger, and I deal with quite a number of sort of younger farmers and teach at Marcus Oldham College, they're more likely to take risks because they have longer in their farming business. Um, as people get uh, to different stages of life and want to throttle back a bit, they sometimes don't want to have as much risk out there, much potential for losing money, and therefore will want to take a different risk position than what someone who might be a bit younger and a bit sort of having a real crack and a real go at it. Because risk, by definition, is is the likelihood of something happening in the consequence. And and for some people, you need to take a punt to get a return, and they'll take that gamble. As you get older in life, you might say, no, I don't want to risk what I've already consolidated, therefore I'll be more conservative. You had a very interesting exercise for the audience of around 300 uh, sheep farmers here today going through... uh a versus B. Can you remember what they were? Because it was it was quite a simple exercise, but it was quite telling into the in terms of the hands that went up during that. Yeah. Um, so the exercise was a simple one about whether you wanted certainty in a result or whether you were willing to take a gamble to get a higher return or potentially lose something. So so the options were you had a certain you could make a choice to get a certain return of two hundred thousand. Or you could take a 50% chance of getting 400000 a 50% chance of getting nothing. Because in the long run, they theoretically work out exactly the same. Now, most people chose that they wanted to um, have some of the certainty around 200000 Some people chose that they'd take a gamble. Of the ones that didn't want to take that gamble of that 50-50 split, as the odds changed, so the chances of getting 400000 increased and the chances of getting zero decreased then they change their decision. And so the key message in all of that is if we want to make decisions including risk, we need to know the odds. So we need to know what are the chances of getting certain results because that will change our decision. And you saw in that that room there that people who said, no, I wouldn't change, but when it was a 70% chance of, say, getting 400,000 and only a 30% chance of getting zero, they said, oh, with those odds, I would now make a choice to do it, to make that change. Now, you... 
very cleverly took that to an agricultural context by the form guide, by actually looking at the history of commodities, which you can do not only from a price perspective, but also from a production perspective in your region. So from a, a risk point of view, we can be better informed about what we produce. Absolutely. And as I've mentioned in there, we actually have a lot of information. People think we're, we're um, short of information. We don't, because if you've lived through it, and you've got some recollection of what happened under certain circumstances, you can frame those odds. So basically you've got the form guide in your head. And by that I mean you will know um, what yields, let's say, you got or what lambing percentage you got in a really good year. So if I said to you, what was your best one year in 10, you'd be able to say, oh, my best lambing in the last 10 years has been X. And then we talk about, well, what circumstance, what was the season like, what were the things that led up to that? And so what was your worst one year in 10 result? Oh, we only got 85%. What were the circumstances behind that? You know, um, it was wet, the condition wasn't good enough on the animals, there are a whole lot of other things. So we can actually frame those odds of getting those results because once you can say there's a one in 10 year chance of getting X result or Y result, then we can actually understand the risk associated with it. And the commodities that you went through, uh, you're from uh, Geelong in Victoria and essentially you were saying... Cattle is uh, a lower risk than sheep, yep. perhaps but a lower return, and again cropping even further has a is riskier, but has a higher return and a greater potential to to lose money. And then you could, for someone that was looking at all those three, overlaid all three profiles, which was quite revealing. Yes, I, I think when you say about each of those enterprises have a different what I call a risk profile. And if we think about risk, most people think of the downside with risk. And what I was trying to stress in there, that there's also an upside. There's a gamble that you can potentially make. So if we look at cropping, there's chances with cropping because of the input costs that you've got and the variability, say, with yield, that you can lose big money. You can spend a lot and then have a failed crop and get nothing from it. The flip side of that is if everything goes right for you, prices are good, yields are good, you can actually make lots and lots of money. So that has both a downside risk, but it's also got quite a big upside risk. When we look at some of the livestock enterprises, they don't necessarily have as much downside risk, but at the same time, they don't have as much upside risk. So cattle, as you mentioned there, seem to be less riskier than sheep. It's just the way it falls out with the volatility in the commodity prices and the variability in production, particularly if in a reproductive herd, you know, most people are 85, 90% calving, they're not 200% calving. So there isn't that huge range in sort of production and therefore the risk that they may be associated with, where sheep, because of things like lambing percentages changing quite dramatically, has actually got a bigger spread of, you know, not making much money to potentially when everything goes right, making lots of money. So where do you see wool in that context, seeing as this is a wool podcast? I better bring that into it. <laughs> so... The beauty I see about the wool is it's a commodity with a second commodity with it, which is then the the sheep sales side of it. Okay, so the actual livestock sales. And those two, the correlation or the connection between those two is where the, or both prices are up or both prices are down are actually a bit disconnected. And the beauty about it is that you could be growing wool and even though the wool price might be good, the meat price might be good. So it's worthwhile playing in that space and having those enterprises because you've almost got two commodities you're selling 
and they're not directly related with each other. Where we get the real bonus, and you know, the wool game's been great in the last couple of years, and the meat game's been good as well. So you can make good money out of wool, and you can make good money out of meat. And in the last couple of years, this is some of the best I've seen you know, wool production, or wool production is a um, yeah, dual-purpose sort of thing where you're, you're turning off livestock as well. So the two act as buffers to each other in a way. Is that a crude way to put it? Yeah, no, no, they, they, they hedge each other because they're not um, directly linked or correlated, is the way we, we call it. Um, so when one's up, the other one could be down a bit. When one's down, the other one could be up a bit. Sometimes, as we've seen just recently, two of them are at the better end put the combination of the two together and it actually turns out pretty well. And you're cooking with gas. You then said to looking ahead and planning ahead around business enterprise uh, mixes uh, to look and to build from a stable base. Now, what does that mean? Yeah, when we we talk about risk or managing risk, um, the one th- or the thing I look for, first of all, in a farm business is where do we have stability? So in other words, where do we have low levels of volatility in some of these. So predictability? So predictability, yeah. So and the example I put up there was um, the pasture production curve that most people sort of encounter. If you look at that, in the middle of winter, if we're having a, a really good winter or a really poor cold winter, the difference in pasture growth, believe it or not, is pretty small. They're both low. Once we get the springtime, if we're having a cracking spring, we could be nine or ten times faster in pasture growth than if we're having a poor spring you'll be lucky to get a two-fold difference in winter between the best and the worst that you'll get. If we know that the variability there isn't all that great, it becomes predictable. And when it becomes predictable, you can actually build from that and saying, at least I know for these few months in winter, this is what I'm going to get. And you build your system around that. The variability is in when do we get the autumn break and how quickly that grows in autumn. And as everybody will know, you get an early break, everybody breathes a sigh of relief because you've got feet in front of you. Get a tight or a late autumn break and it creates a lot of problems. There's a lot of risk in when the autumn break is. And again, in springtime, just being able to manage and look after that that variability. And taking that a step further, you are then looking at um, average prices for commodities um, through uh, the grain and graze commodity price guide, which uh, looked amazing. So you were saying do not use average commodity prices in your sort of risk predictions for a very simple reason. Yeah, the average isn't the most frequent price we get. And it's true for the long run for all commodities, whether it's grains, wool, meat, hay, all of them have a, a variability that isn't evenly, we call it evenly distributed around the average. So sometimes if you use the average, you don't get, that isn't the most frequent result you'll get. And in most cases, the most frequent result we experience is lower than the average. It's just that occasionally we get super high prices when two people are bidding on something and want that commodity, so the price shoots up for a short period before it settles down again. When you average it out, that actually drags up the average. Most commonly is that the uh, the most frequent price is lower than the average price. So how do you find the most frequent price? So on this price guide is probably a good way. We, we create things called frequency histograms. And, and what it is is it, it graphs up how often you get certain price ranges. And this does it very simply. You just ask for a histogram and it draws it up for you. And you can see very clearly what the average is and then what the, the different um, uh, percentages are. What I find and what I, if I'm working with clients and doing calculations, I'll tend to do the calculations on the most frequent price 
because that, in a sense, makes it more realistic about what we're actually going to experience. And if that's a bit lower than the, uh, the average price, then if we get the average price, it's a bonus. We've actually got better on what we calculated. So if I can do my calculations on the price I'm going to experience most frequently and it stands up and it stacks up and it's still a good decision, then we've got a lot of upside if we get it wrong on the positive side of things. A subtle but important change. Uh, you had a few questions at the end and one was uh, very interesting around uh, the biggest risks that you see to farm businesses and your answer was really telling in summary uh, in terms of the three biggest risks to farming businesses, particularly family farming businesses. Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting question because the whole talk I'd sort of concentrated on the production side of the business and where the risks were in the production side, which is around price yield and also some risk in some of the costs like supplementary feeding but in my experience is that if people aren't thinking clearly and aren't entertaining new ideas then you can get very close that the production system you've got is the only production system you can have and it's the only way to do it so my my first risk I think is that people just aren't thinking clearly and making good decisions and I've seen some unfortunately some pretty sad decisions made where people weren't thinking clearly and it's had these massive flow-on effects for the family for future generations for a whole lot of things so I think that the number one risk I see is is people making good decisions and the second one there is just looking after then your your own personal and mental health because I don't think anybody can think well when they're constantly under stress so being able to get away being able to to refresh yourself I just think is so important. That was a fantastic message to have. Now, for livestock enterprises, it's a very old saying that says sheep often, cattle sometimes, horses never. Now, Cam, you said through your talk that uh, you do have a bit of an interest in uh, race horsing, uh, or horse racing, I should say. Um, is this somewhat counterintuitive to your own messaging? <laughs> <laughs> well, the farm we've got at home, we have horses. We've got two daughters and a wife who all really enjoy the horse side of it, and we actually have ex-race horses as <laughs> we're not letting them have real ones we're only letting them have the toy ones that aren't any good but they occasionally get a gig on some of the television shows like Jack Irish when they're doing those horse things the kids get called out to bring their horses in <laughs> um, no so, but the, ho- the whole idea of the horse analogy was really around if you think of the odds that get offered when you go horse racing the people who are offering the, ho- uh, the, the odds for you to bet on the, uh, the bookies that are offering that do exactly the same thing as what I was trying to advocate that people should be thinking about in their farming business. And that is they look at the history and they look at what they're confronted with now and they put odds around what are the chances of different results occurring. So a horse that's always performed poorly in the wet but performs really well in the dry historically if they get to the racetrack and it's pouring down with rain, they're going to have a bit of a crack. <laughs> that horse is probably not going to do as well as some of the others that might be good in the wet. And that's all I was sort of saying to, um, to the farmers here, that we actually have history and we can use history, and you've got lots of history on your farm, that can help as a form guide to help frame the odds of what do you think the risks are associated with this. Well, um, it was a, a wonderful way to finish the Best Wool, Best Lamb conference. Um, Cam Nicholson, thank you very much for your time on The Yarn and uh, all the best for the future. Pleasure. Thanks. That was Cam Nicholson from Nikon Rural Services speaking with Marius Cumming. We hope you are able to take away some insights from that conversation 
As always, please leave a review on iTunes and send through any feedback to the yarn at wool.com. Thanks again for listening and look forward to catching you again soon.